Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for being here today. We want to talk about Donald Trump's language, his rhetoric, his promises, and the way that they might land in his presidency on minority groups. Donald Trump has said that he might want to keep Muslim immigrants from coming into the United States because they are Muslim. He has said he wants to build a wall between the United States and Mexico, our third largest trading partner, our next door neighbor. He said he wants to to round up uh, people who have come here from Mexico illegally and send them home. Donald Trump has said that his answer to racial healing, to the racial strife that we're seeing here in the United States, is to double down on policies like stop and frisk, to enforce law and order in America's cities. These statements sound different if you are Muslim or Latino or African-American than they do to white people, white people who voted for Donald Trump. The amount of fear, the amount of anxiety, the amount of profound emotional disappointment that I've heard from members of these communities, not just during the campaign, but now especially after Tuesday night, uh, is something that I have never seen before in this country. All of a sudden, people are afraid of the government in the country where they live. They're afraid of the government that they help pay for. They're afraid of the country that they helped build. We're going to talk all hour today about what that means and how people in those communities are feeling. How are they supposed to respond to Donald Trump's election? How are they supposed to respond to the the prospect of a Donald Trump presidency, of someone like Rudy Giuliani, perhaps, as the Attorney General of the United States? Picture that for a second. Think about the things that Rudy Giuliani believes about law and order, about justice. And of course, we want to hear from you today as well. 313-577-1019 is the number. 313-577-1019. Are you a Muslim? Are you Latino? Are you an African-American? What do you feel right now? What are you thinking about right now? You thinking about your friends, your family, your neighbors? What's going to happen to them? What's going to happen to you? Is Donald Trump going to carry through on the awful things he says he wants to do to these communities. And if you're not a member of those communities, we want to hear from you too. What about your friends and your family and your neighbors who are minorities? This is a really diverse country. There are, is almost no one anymore who doesn't have a connection to somebody else who's not of the same religion or not of the same ethnicity or not of the same race. Is this okay? Is this what America is going to be? Are we going to have this conversation, which I think if we do, ends up in the streets as much as it is in the Congress? Is this the conversation we want to be be in, inciting? Are these the kinds of things we want to be encouraging at this point? 313-577-1019 is the number. 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, leave your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Joining me now to talk about how this looks inside the Muslim and Arab communities here in Southeast Michigan is Haig Oshigan. He's an associate professor 
of Communication with a Specialization in Ethnic and Minority Media at Wayne State University and founder of New Michigan Media. Hi, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Yes. it's. I wish it were under different circumstances, maybe. Yeah. Um, but I can tell you that um, not just with Arabs, but with all minorities, I think this is a very difficult time. Yeah. Uh, minorities, you know, we understand that um, the the world is, is going to be more difficult to navigate as minorities, that challenges are going to be larger, um, obstacles to overcome are going to be higher. Um, but the difficulty with this election is that things seem to have been going, getting better at least. Over the last eight years with Obama's administration, um, the efforts on immigration, um, a change in tone, um, seem to be improving, and and uh, America was moving in a in a direction of really diverse, multi-ethnic, accepting, inclusive society. This election really brought out a different side of American society, um, a side that wanted to roll the clock back in some way. The making America great again. The again, of course, refers to some past time. Um, and, and the further back you go, the life is even more difficult for minorities and women as well. Uh, so rolling back the clock this, that this election focused on with Trump, to me it was a, was a, was a statement, was a uh, referendum on American values, the conservative values, the anti-progressive values, the values threatened by change. Um, and it, it, you, you know, we have to admit that uh, some of the change that happened was fast, um, Obama as president passed things through, uh, through executive order because he could not actually get the majority agreement to on immigration, for example, uh, on trade deals, on Iran, and so on, um, which always reflected a, a divide in the nation. Yeah. But, uh, but I think everyone had, had this trust, this belief that, okay, yes, we're not all there, but, but we all see things generally the same way. Trump rolled it back. I, I think... In addition, well, he injected to, he injected far more punitive uh, yeah. policies into the conversation uh, at a very uh, yeah. High level. I was going to say the hostility in the in in the conversation, the the malice in the conversation, the tone of the conversation, the blaming of minorities, um, the sort of the bringing back of law and order, as as is he calls it. You know, it's not just immigration; it's also Ferguson. You know, it's also same-sex marriage. It's also all the sort of, uh, you know, unraveling in a sense of the old sort of uh, American sense of what was what. And, yeah. and I think it comes on the backs of the weakest of the populations, which tend to be minorities, which are women as well. Um, and I think this is what's scariest about this, this election. Um, I, I'm not sure how much Trump would be able to actually change because the system is the system. The government runs, you know, um, there's Congress, there's a... There's a House, there's a Senate, and um, people are already protesting, and he'll have to scale back some of this stuff. Um, but it laid bare, I think, a side, a face um, that was um, uh, much less progressive and willing to accept change and diversity than, um, 
than it seemed that uh, you know we were expecting. And yeah. I think that's the scariest part to me about yeah. the election. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. Uh, my guest is Haig Oshigan. He's an associate professor of communication with a specialization in ethnic and minority media at Wayne State University. He's the founder of New Michigan Media. Also joining us now is uh, an old friend of the show here, Osama Siblani, uh, the publisher of the Arab American News. Osama, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. Thank okay. you. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm late. No, traffic. that's okay. Traffic. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, uh, we're talking, of course, about the election of Donald Trump uh, and what weight uh, that will bring down on minority groups here in the United States. Uh, Donald Trump talked a lot during the campaign about what he thought about minority groups, about Muslims, about immigrants generally, about Latinos, about African Americans. If he carries through on the things that he said, what will America look like for the people who belong to those uh, American subgroups? What is America going to be like uh, if you're a Muslim, if you are a Latino, if you are an African-American? You want to join the conversation, 313-577-1019 is the number. 313-577-1019. Also, go to the WDET Facebook page and leave your comments there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Osama Hag and I were just talking about uh, the fear that uh, that people who are Muslim or Arab or Latino or African American are feeling right now. That fear was really palpable during the campaign. Lots of people talking to me about uh, the, the questions they had about what would happen if if Donald Trump was elected. Now that he is elected. Uh, the intensity of that fear, of that, uh, of that frustration, of those emotions, just is is at a peak I've not seen before. People are really, people are really worried. Well, they they have the right to be worried, and I think that uh, you know the people spoke, and 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 uh, uh, Donald Trump is the president now. Um, America is bigger than than Donald Trump, and uh, and. Uh, uh, the problems that we're facing right now is not is not made by Donald Trump, not defending Donald Trump, uh, but these are issues that have been brewing, uh, that have been there for a long, long time, and the leadership on both in both parties, the Republican and the Democrat, they neglected them, they did not address them. Islamophobia did not is not the creation of Donald Trump. Uh, Donald Trump used Islamophobia in order to climb to power. But I think that it has been there, and, and I think that the biggest problem that we're facing is we have a lack of leadership that has put us in this position. But America is bigger than Donald Trump. I believe that the American people uh, will flush this, this uh, out, uh, will work it out. Uh, I, I, I do not believe that we should be uh, you know, uh, fearful. I think we should be concerned. Uh, but uh, this, this concern should translate into activism, into building coalitions. Uh, you know, we have common uh, uh, denominators and issues uh, between our uh, communities, uh, and we should cross, uh, you know, uh, cr- across the communities, build coalition in order to face the new challenges that that Donald Trump might bring to the, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, to the United States. Now, having said that, you know, listening to Donald Trump, uh, a speech, victory speech. I believe that I was listening to a different Donald Trump. And uh, Donald Trump is a a practical person. He has used uh, whatever means he has in order to, and and, and available in order to obtain the 
the Republican nomination. Uh, and then he also used whatever it is, you know, uh, uh, he has at, at his disposal in order to become the president-elect of the United States of America. Now being elected president, I think Donald Trump is going to go back to the center because you cannot govern in the uh, in the United States uh, from the White House if you are on the fringes. You have to go to the center in order to... Uh, to, to. I, I, I'm going to wait. I, I'm going to hold judgment right now. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, you know, we have to come together, and and I wanted to wait and see what kind of an administration he's going to put together because the kind of administration that the that transition team— really key. That, that is the key. That is the, that will tell you that the rhetoric— if it's the, if the rhetoric was was only rhetoric, or if it's gonna be uh, you know in in a um, actuality uh, uh, you know translated in the administration by appointing people who feel this way, who and you know we have to realize that his uh, running mate, uh, the vice president-elect, Mr. Pence, is not really uh, the kind of person that uh, and he had disagreed with him on several uh, you know sure. uh, occasions sure. on, on the uh, trail. So I uh, scaring the American public you know, uh, into submissions, getting the American public uh, so they can run away, I don't think right now is is the right way. I don't believe in riots. I don't believe in, I believe in demonstrations. People have the right to express their views. Uh, But I believe that we should give Donald Trump, President-elect, a chance right now, and we should build coalitions in order to continue our activism, uh, uh, you know, and resist any kind of uh, sectarian or, or, uh, or, or discriminatory policies against any group of people, whether they're Muslims, Latinos, African-American, otherwise. Yeah. Uh, 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 go ahead, Haiga. I want to get to the uh, calls, though. I wanted to add one more thing sure. to uh, continuing Osama's uh, comment on, on organizing. Um, you know, in some ways, to me, uh, there is a, there's a hope here at the end of, the, of this tunnel in that even by 2020, 2022, Nevada, Georgia, Arizona, all of them will be minority-majority states. That is, there will be more minorities in those states than than non-minorities. There is whites, um, and so and across the U.S. already Texas is that way. Already California is that way. The whole nation by 2030 to 40 will be that way. And I so I think organizing uh, this growing population is a key way of of uh, making sure the changes that need to happen do happen and actually. Uh, sustain are sustained. Yeah, uh, let's go to the phones. Of course, lots of people want to talk about this subject. Uh, Mario in Detroit, welcome to Detroit today. Hi, how's it going? Good. How are you? Pretty good. Um, as an African American, I just want to say that we have all rights to be scared and worried about this election. Literally, just waking up today and listening to NPR, I hear that the private prison systems are already raising their stocks by 45%. That means something to minorities. That disproportionately affects us. Uh, all down my timeline today on Facebook and yesterday, there are people literally talking about being in tears about seeing this election as an election that doesn't care about their existence. And just really even past all the platforms and policies that Trump says he's going to enact, there's more so the callousness in the American voters who would vote for a candidate who speaks about minorities in such a way. And that just, that being a thing, just pops a lot of people's bubbles in that you can no longer really just ignore 
the latent racism right. in America, even though it's, it was difficult to do that for a while now. You know, the you know, of information. <clears throat> Mario, you bring up a, a really great point, which is this this private prison industry stock uh, the story that, that, that I also heard. Um, y- if you think about the things that have happened in the last eight years, uh, while Eric Holder was uh, Attorney General, uh, and then Loretta Lynch and, and Barack Obama was President, I mean, we had started to have a conversation, not a very robust one, not one that resulted in a lot of changes, uh, about, though, this this uh, over-incarceration, about the, the sort of prison-industrial complex that has has grown so 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 big in, in America. Think about the the change in rules in terms of sentencing guidelines. Uh, the, the 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 crack sentencing guidelines being sort of uh, put in in, in league with uh, the the powder cocaine sentencing guidelines. A, a real move toward justice, more justice for people in African American communities. I think you're absolutely right that that African Americans have every reason to have to sort of wonder about what will happen to those things and uh, are we going to go back backward I guess to uh, a, a time when when we just go full bore on that sort of thing uh, and and not think about reform. So I'm I'm glad you called and uh, and made that point, Mario. Thank you very much. It's the same the same the same issues that uh, that Arab American and American Muslims uh, are facing today. You uh-huh. know, um, uh, even under the Obama administration, with uh, Laura Talin and and uh, and Eric Holder being the uh, DOJs and 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 also uh, you know uh, uh, Jay Johnson being the Department of Homeland Security secretary. Yeah. Uh, you know, we are facing tremendous challenges at the airports and the border crossing just because of our name, because of the way we look, you know, and, and where we ca- where we're coming from. You know, when you come to your country, you know, from overseas uh, on, a, on a business trip or on a visit or in a, a vacation and coming back, you should be, you know, welcomed back to your country, not harassed at the, at the airport and questioned for four hours about where were you and what you're doing and who did you visit and and how many times do you pray and what kind of a religion you have and which mosque do you go to and all these things that have been going under the Obama administration unfortunately so are we concerned that now Donald Trump is going to be the president and these things are going to be are going to be much harder and much harsher and and they're going to go farther and maybe the 4 hours will become 8 hours and maybe they will prevent people from coming yes we are but I, I think should we succumb? Should we yield? Should we just go home? Should we pack and leave? Or should we build coalitions with the African American community, with the Latinos, with the with the uh, rest of the uh, you know? Uh, there is lots of, of people in America that are not happy with the status quo, and that is very evident in the vote for Trump. Uh, not everybody that voted for Trump that believed in his philosophy or in his ideology or in his in his rhetoric, but they believe that the the business as usual in America cannot continue. And that is where the Democratic Party has failed to realize that there is a new wave of, of anger in, in the country that has been uh, uh, exemplified by, by electing Trump. Not because of what he is saying, not because of what he's doing, but because the, the, the other, the alternative, is not appealing any longer. And we have kept talking to the Democratic Party that we do not want the President of the United States, Bill Clinton, to come and, and, and eat a falafel sandwich in our restaurant, we want, you know, we want some substance 
uh, you know, substantial, uh, you know, discussion yeah. on on the issues that we are very concerned right. about. I don't right. want you to come and and take a picture, a selfie with me, <laughs> and 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 eat a falafel sandwich and leave. Yeah. Yeah. That is not going to resolve my problem. I'm going to face it after November eight. And and we have been talking to the Democratic Party, to the Clinton campaign, but they have ignored all these issues. Yeah, and and I think that's another one of the subtexts here is what have the Democrats been able to do for these discrete uh, minority groups, these demographic groups, for Muslims, for Latinos, for African-Americans. There is uh, so much left on the table after elections, after the promises get made, that never gets delivered on. And and I I really worry that one of the things that cost Hillary Clinton the election was the failure of Barack Obama to be able to deliver, particularly on immigration reform. I think, you know, if he had moved on that in the first two years when he had majorities in both houses of Congress and gotten it passed, it would have sent such a strong signal to core Democratic constituencies that they might feel differently today. I agree. And I've spoken to Latino friends and Elias, the publisher of the Latino paper, and um, you know, most most Latinos voted for uh, Clinton, but thirty percent voted for Trump. Um, it, they and even those who voted for Clinton, uh, there was disappointment in the Obama administration's handling of immigration, the the inability to pass legislation, uh, the high rate of deportations, um, promises that were never eventually fulfilled. Um, people don't forget these things, and and they cannot take them for granted that they will just be satisfied because there's nothing better. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, a lot of people just didn't vote. Um, not that they were going to vote for Trump, but they didn't vote for Hillary Clinton either. Um, well, the, you this, know, this is an issue in the in, in it's a legacy, as you said, I think, partly of Obama's administration. And, and, and it, it hurt Clinton as well. You know, one, one of the one of the major mistakes that was committed by the Democratic Party and the Hillary Clinton campaign is that they did not realize how much they have missed from the Bernie Sanders campaign. If they had just noticed the the kind of you know excitement that Bernie Sanders brought, and even though that it was a rhetoric sometimes, you know that Bernie Sanders was, you know, saying, you know, most of his of his you know uh, proposals or, or or policies changes may not even see the light exactly like what's going to happen to Donald Trump. And you think Donald Trump is going to prevent Muslims from coming to this country? This is against our constitution. That's not going to happen. Yeah. These are these. This is political and campaign rhetoric. But the Democrats did not realize, and Hillary Clinton itself did not realize how much she's going to be missing. That if she does not really excite the base, if she does not talk about the issues that that people are concerned about, and this is where they've missed. This is where the the Democrats have missed a lot of people that came out to vote, but they did not. They were not excited about Hillary Clinton campaign. They were, you know, they were going out to vote for Hillary against Trump. Yeah. And and it should have been going out to vote for Hillary because they believe because in they Hillary. wanted to have her they, be the president. And, and that was yeah. that was the, the votes that Bernie Sanders got. Yeah. People yeah. went out to vote for Bernie because not they against anybody, yeah. but for Bernie. Yeah. All right. Uh, when we come back, we are going to talk about how African-Americans specifically are going to be affected by a Trump presidency. Kim Trent of the Wayne State University Board of Governors joins us. Uh, I want to thank you to Osama, uh, Osama Siblani and uh, Hag Oshigan uh, for being here, as always. Thank you, thank Stephen. Thank you, for being on thank Detroit you. today. Stay with us on the phones, too. Uh, Jim in uh, Pontiac, Jan in Milford, Joe in Clarkston. We will get to you.
Music. News. Community. Culture. Local. Global. Detroit. This is 1019 WDET. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for being here. One of the people I pay a lot of attention to on social media is Kim Trent. She's a writer and former journalist from Detroit. She is a member of the Wayne State University Board of Governors. And if you happen to be Facebook friends with Kim, <laughs> you are you are privy to some of the more biting and insightful commentary about America, about race, about culture uh, that, that you can find out here. And so I wanted to invite her in today because we are talking about the election of Donald Trump and what it will mean to minority groups uh, here in America. Of course, Donald Trump spent a lot of his campaign talking about what he thinks about minority groups, what he thinks should happen to minority groups, Muslim Americans, Arab Americans, Latinos, and African Americans. Uh, and so we are talking today about uh, how that feels for those groups. How does it feel that the president of the United States, the president-elect of the United States, is somebody who wants to turn the clock back a little bit in America? 313-577-1019. If you want to join this conversation, 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We're going to try to work your comments into the conversation. But Kim Trent, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> you seem <laughs> awfully cheery, which I, I'm a little surprised by. I'm not at all. That's right. That's right. I mean, it's funny because um, my social media presence, I've pretty much gone dark on social media for the last day or so yeah. because I it just hard. can't. It is I'm hard. so, and I'm not that kind of person. I'm the kind of person who is usually energized when something awful happens to, okay, so what's the plan of action? What's, but I have to say, this one has kind of shut me down. So, so, so when you when you say that you're usually energized mm-hmm. when something bad happens to get mm-hmm. out and, and push back, is it different this time because it seems as though everything has sort of fallen into place for for an agenda that, that will hit really hard on African Americans? I mean, that, that for me has been the thing. It's not just the election of Donald Trump. Right. It's the control uh, that he'll have of Congress, or yeah. perhaps, I mean, we don't know how that'll work, but uh, no. but <laughs> it, it probably won't work out in the favor no. of, of the groups that he is going to target. Um, right. You know, it, there, there doesn't seem to be, at least through government at this point, a means of pushing back. Well, I think that coupled with the idea that we have seen progress over the last eight years and it's not just, you know, I, I joked on on Tuesday night, somebody said, oh, everything that Obama did is going to get rolled back. I said, he's going to roll back stuff that Lyndon Johnson did. I mean, <laughs> that's right. He's not going to stop with Obama. Right, Obama. <laughs> why, yeah, why, that, why limit that's yourself? That's probably going to be like the first hundred days. <laughs> he'll right. undo everything Obama put in place. But I mean, you know, it's just to add a little levity, but there, there really is nothing funny about this. It's a tragic mm. time for our country. It's a tragic time for people of color. Um, this is a man who ran on a, a platform of white male grievance. I mean, we have not seen someone so nakedly do this, says George Wallace. Yeah. And the fact that in 2016, I mean, you know, um, one of my favorite quotes from Dr. King is um, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Yeah. 
does it? <laughs> Maybe I think, it doesn't. Yeah, right. I mean, we're on I'm the saying, long arc part of that. I, as opposed I, to the... I almost, I think that in America, it's very much a pendulum. I mean, I, this very much feels to me like post-Reconstruction. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and we've always had that. We had um, slavery, then we had Reconstruction, then we had Jim Crow for, for a years. long time. Years. Yeah. And then we had some gains that we made, and then we started, we saw the dismantling of those gains over the last 30 years, and now this is the culmination of that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what we have to do is think about the long game. Um, you know, certainly these next four years are going to be very unpleasant. Um, I don't think that our, you know, I was watching the protests last night and, you know, I think protests are, are an important part of our um, national consciousness. I think it's important for us to be able to protest and to protest peacefully. But, you know, the most effective protest we could have made was on Tuesday, November 8th, Get out and vote. when we could have change we could have you know repudiated this man the balance horrible of, agenda the balance of african-americans and i'm just talking about michigan here mm-hmm. the balance of african-americans who showed up for barack obama in 2012 and who did not on tuesday would have flipped the vote no doubt about no it. question no doubt about it right and yeah. i imagine but i don't that want, if I mean, I, I'm, I'm a little and it's funny because i'm this is when my intersectionality break um kind of <laughs> fits in um i as much as I am disappointed that we didn't have this, the same level of black turn, voter turnout, we also have to hold accountable white women who very much have yes, a lot to absolutely. lose in this administration as yes. well and who turned out for this man, which is just yeah. completely white, unbelievable white, to me. White educated women who, of course, um, favored Hillary Clinton, but not by a dramatic margin. I mean, 54 to 46. Yeah, it was. 50, I mean, yeah, yeah. that also cost Hillary Clinton an, an incredible amount of support. And and part of it, you know, so for me, you know, if you're African-American in this country, you are disappointed a lot by your country. And I think that's hard for some people who are not African-American right. to understand. It's just... It's just part of being. This is part of being African American. I mean, it's in, part in of preserving your sanity because if you have high hopes, because that's how I really, to be honest with you, I felt like a sucker on Tuesday. I did because I really, I really did not have a plan B because it just never crossed my mind that Donald yeah. Trump would become would president of the United president. States. Yeah. It's, and I think I'm very adept and I have a very kind of deep understanding of the history of this country. I have a you know, my co-major in, in undergrad was African studies, so it's not like I haven't studied race relations sure. in our country and this whole, you know, the whole history. But this contest was so lopsided when you just look at talent, um, history, uh, temperament. There was just no competition here. And yeah. so the only thing that pushed him over was this idea of white male grievance that he articulated in a way that no other Republican, I mean, lots of other Republicans have articulated it in a lot more veiled ways, but this explicit campaign that was all about what we didn't get that we deserve, yeah. um, you know, it, and, it, and to see that it worked, I don't know how you come back from that. I don't know how, because that's a message that resonates, and if people are willing to use that message to get elected, I mean, it's, we're we're in big trouble. It's it's scary. It's, it's that very is scary. that is the word, and I don't use that word. Right, I, I can't think of the right. last time in after an election that I used that word. Right, you you just don't feel like uh, like the choice that America has made is 
against you. Right. Against you as a person, not a right. policy choice. No, it's very part. Stephen, every time I see a Trump pin sign, it hurt my feelings. Yeah. I mean, I felt, and I've never like felt like matter. that. I, I never felt like that with Romney. I never felt like that with McCain. I never felt a personal sense of grievance or a personal sense of being attacked. I feel attacked by the idea of Donald Trump as president of the United States. To me, it's a repudiation of people of color. It's a repudiation of women. It's a repudiation of progress in our country. You know, just overtly. And and then there's kind of um, kind of um, crazy um, philosophy where we're also teaching folks or trying to you know forward this idea that it's not about race. You know, like oh. Hey, just because the KKK endorsed (laughs) Donald Trump, I don't know why you all are making it about race. Well, there's something they saw in him to make their first presidential endorsement ever. ever. There's something they recognize. And we're not crazy. We know what it was. Uh, This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Kim Trent, a writer and former journalist here in Detroit. She is a member of the Wayne State University Board of Governors. We're talking about uh, the election of Donald Trump, the effect of that election and his presidency, the potential uh, effect uh, of his election and presidency on minority groups, on Muslims, Arabs, Latinos, African-Americans, all constituencies. He had lots to say about during the campaign, and most of it wasn't very good. Most of it was about identifying us as others, identifying us as people deserving of something different from the majority population. Is that going to play out over the next four years? Is this going to be a four years where we see rollbacks of the progress that we've made, uh, including people who have historically been locked out here in America? Or is there going to be a modulation of those ideas once Donald Trump is actually president and has to work through the system of government? 313 577 1019 is the number to join the conversation, 313-577-1019. Uh, on Facebook, Stephanie says, uh, I am so fearful and anxiety-ridden that our country elected a man who joked about sexually assaulting women and who openly accepted the endorsement of the Ku Klux Klan, reflecting some of the comments that Kim Trent just made. Kenneth on Facebook says, I do feel like there is a good thing to come out of this. Under a heavy hand, people will be upset and will want to connect. Uh, you can go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, and we'll try to work them into the conversation. Also, go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Let's go to Jan in Milford. Jan, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm white, and um, this is hard. I cried all day yesterday, and I want the minorities to know there's a lot of us out there the majority of Americans voted for Hillary. The Electoral College screwed us, but the majority of Americans wanted her. We saw what Trump is, and the Constitution hopefully is going to protect all of us from who he is, because there's only so much he can do. And a lot of what he said, and a lot of what he is just as con man, it's rhetoric to get elected. And I'll tell you, in my 67 years, on Wednesday, it was the first time in my life I was not proud to be an American. And I apologize to the minorities for what he's done. Jan, I want you to know that. Yeah. Jan, I, I 
really deeply appreciate uh, your calling and and saying the things you did. You're making Kim Trent cry in the studio here. <laughs> I think some there's no, some wet eyes in the I want to thank Jan for too. opening the floodgates because I've been stuck. You know, they talk about the five stages of grief. I've been stuck in <laughs> anger, and I kept telling my husband, "I just want to cry. I just want to let this out so I can move on." And that was the moment, Jan. So thank you for um, you know you know obviously you don't owe us an apology. No, but I you know I think that it's so important that people like you use your voices and to remind you because it is important to remind people that the majority of Americans did vote against hate. They did vote against, you know, the division that this person um, was selling, but um, it it is important to remind people that. And so thank you so much. Yes. No, Jan, uh, I I think there, I I think we all know that there are a lot of people who feel exactly the same way you do. Uh, Tuesday didn't turn out uh, the way that we all thought it would, but that doesn't, that doesn't negate uh, the power of uh, your dignity and and uh, uh, decency uh, with regard to to this country. I I still believe I want to believe that the majority of Americans have that decency in them. Tuesday was a was a, a chance to show it, and and we failed. And you know uh, we, we got to move on and try to look for the next opportunity. But uh, but thank you very much for calling in. Uh, let's go to. Thomas in West Bloomfield. Thomas, welcome to Detroit today. Are you there, Thomas? Yes, of course. Yeah, go ahead. Are you there, Thomas? Ugh, maybe he's not paying attention anymore. All right, <laughs> uh, let's go to Ray in Sterling Heights. Ray, welcome to Detroit today. How you doing? Good morning. Good, how are you? Hello. Yeah, Hello. go ahead, Ray. Yeah, I just wanted to say that, um, you know, like most people are saying that are calling in, Donald Trump was elected by the people, the majority of the people. And I feel that um, all the opinions of that majority should be respected because, uh, you know, this is, this is how this country works. You vote for what you believe in. And the ones that don't believe in the things that uh, Donald Trump the ones that feel that, that, that they're entitlement, you know, that's, that's another thing in this country. A lot of people feel that they're entitled to certain things. Um, we are, certain things we are entitled, but a majority of the things we're not entitled to. You know, you have to earn them. To so, be a citizen of this country, yeah. you so, have to abide by the laws to be a citizen of this country. You don't so, come so Ray, and ask with your hand open and yeah. expect to be taken care of. It's not a refuge country. This is a country you have to earn things in this country. So Ray, let me ask you. Let me ask you a couple questions. Uh, number one, you do know that that a majority of the country actually elected Hillary Clinton, right? That that no. most people voted for her. Yeah, she got more votes than Donald Trump. That that's not how we elect presidents. I, I understand. I understand. So it's but, irrelevant. Yeah. So so, but do you see? Do you think that in our system, then that the winner gets to sort of visit awfully? On the losers, do you think he do you think he has an obligation, for instance, to be the president of the United States of America, of everybody, and to try to take into account everybody's point of view and feelings, and certainly everybody's right? I think, as the president of the United States, he's responsible for every citizen of this country. Now, mind the word citizen. Well, I'm a citizen, Ray. Are you? I'm a citizen also. I'm an immigrant citizen. Right. You know, so um, I came here. I followed the rules. And I still follow the rules. I became a naturalized citizen. Okay, I don't want to sound like you know I don't care about the people that are coming here with, who are from other countries that are depressed or or suppressed or, 
you know, killed or whatever it is, but there's rules. Every country you go to has immigration sure, rules. This sure. is the only country to say, come on in, we'll take you in, no problem. But if you have a problem with your country, I think you should stay in your country and deal with your government and resolve the issues in your country. Understand? Okay. Well, just like, just like Ray, you do here. Ray, you're you're entitled to that opinion. I, obviously, I, I can't agree with you, but I do appreciate that you listen. I appreciate that you called and and shared your point of view uh, with the rest of the listeners. Um, let's go to Gloria in Detroit. Gloria, welcome to Detroit today. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It took sure. a long time to get through. I, I've been listening to your program and I listen to it mostly every day. And what I want to say, is, and, and I'll do it as fast as I can, I think we need to to do many things, and some have been named. So let me see if I can summarize what I heard in a way. I think the call is, yes, we have fear, we have anger, we're disappointed, but those feelings are simply, they are full of energy, and we can choose to get stagnated in them or be reactionary or take energy from them, acknowledging them, and Pay attention to me, but I think we need to move to a we. I think your earlier guest who talked about coalitions is right. Mm -hmm. I think there's many organizations already working on these issues, but we're also divided. And we need to think of we, not just me, either individually or as an organization. I think within the minority communities, I'm a Latina woman, originally from Mexico. I think we, we have prejudice towards one another, which is often based on ignorance of each other. So reaching out to each other at a very local uh, level. And then the other thing, and last thing is, Mm -hmm. you know, the word minority is fine, but we really together are now a majority in this country. Yeah. And we're not a, we're not a, we're we're not a melting pot. We're Mm -hmm. tough salad. We're mosaic. (laughs) And we're amazing if we just pay attention to that. I I like that imagery, Gloria. (laughs) Thank you very much. That was excellent. Yeah, that was good. Uh, and, And you're right. We're not going to be minorities much longer. I mean, mm-hmm. 10 years from now, an election uh, that turns out this way with the demographics the way it is wouldn't be possible right. uh, because uh, there are going to be more brown people than there are uh, other people in this country really quickly. And I, 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 I actually think that's, think that's some, of the, the, some of what we saw on Tuesday. But right? I think that that's part of the reason why we have to think about the long game because one thing, you know, Roger Ailes, I think, is a despicable human being, but he has been very... That's, I guess that's me being biting. Is that the biting commentary? <laughs> you to you tell, you say what's on your mind. That's why I have but, you in yeah. here. But anyway, he um, is not a good person. And But he was brilliant in developing a language of grievance and a language. So it's shorthand. So we know, you know, all these code words and everything. Yes. Everybody knows exactly what they mean because this has been a 30-year unraveling of just some principles, some Ideals of who we are as Americans. The idea that, you know, we are going to exclude an entire religion from the United States of America. Right. It's part of someone's presidential platform. Yes. I mean, just imagine we live in that country right now. And that person was successful. That person won the presidency of the United States of America. So um, I think we can't just assume that because, and by the way, you know, I heard, you know, I've been staying off social media, but I did read an, a post from a friend of mine who just happens to be in L.A. right now. And um, she had a conversation with the cleaning woman who was at her hotel who told her that she was born in Mexico and she voted for Donald Trump. And she asked her, well, why in the world would you do such a thing? Yeah. And she told her 
well, I know all of these illegals who came over and they, you know, it's kind of the same narrative that we heard earlier um, from Ray. You know, people need to follow the rules, blah, blah, blah. And so we can't assume that just because people of color are going to be the majority at one point in the future, in the near future, that we they won't also buy into a lot right. of these narratives that have been created and cultivated over the last 30 years. So we really have to have very frank conversations and rebut you know, just like, you know, when you said that the majority of Americans voted for Hillary Clinton, <laughs> that's irrelevant. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. were actually just told that that's irrelevant. Right. How can it be? Re- ir- Second ir- time in 16 years we've been told that. Yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> I'm not, gonna, listen, not that I want to get into the electoral like, we don't college. I want to litigate right? the, the electoral college right now because it, it, it is, is what it is. There is something about right. that. It is that, what it is. But yeah. let us not forget that means the majority of people who went to the polls on Tuesday voted for Hillary Clinton. So this idea that the person who won is winner takes takes all and they don't have to, you know, as as was just said, build coalitions and reach back and try to understand. I mean, I, I, I spent a lot of this morning reading about Hill, Hillbilly Elegy, this book about, um, you yeah. know, poor whites and yeah. how they, because I want to understand the kind of thinking that led to a instead Democrats of just used vilifying to and demonizing. That. Right? No, you're Democrats right. Democrats no. used to used yeah. to represent uh, people right. who felt that way, That's and that right. is what has happened uh, over the last 20, 25, 30 years. That has changed the electorate. Is that Democrats have lost touch with working class whites. Um, well, I just think that the other side has been a lot more aggressive yeah, in right. sowing seeds of fear and exploiting, and exploiting their fears. the yeah. ideas. Uh, you know, there's this this quote that has been floating around the last couple of days from Lyndon Johnson, where he says essentially, uh, I, w- I want to actually find the actual quote because it was great. Where he's essentially, but essentially what he said is, if you take the poorest white person and tell him that he's just inherently better than the most you know talented and successful black person. You can get them to do whatever you want them to do, and that's essentially what just happened in this country. Yeah. Um, and it's not just white and black and white, because obviously this is a person who you know has been uh, very dismissive and and actually very violently, aggressively um, um, nasty to yeah. Latinos, um, to women, to uh, disabled people, yeah. Yeah. to veterans. I mean, to every subset of American culture, except. White males. Yeah, I mean, yeah. everyone else has has been attacked by this person who now has to step up and be our representative on the yeah. world stage, yeah. and it's just a horrible. Yeah, thing. we just got to hope that it that it actually happens. Okay, Kim Trent, writer, a former journalist here in Detroit, member of the Wayne State University Board of Governors. As always, thanks for being here on Detroit today. Thank you, Stephen. We're going to have you back real soon, I'm sure. All right, up next, we're going to preview a new project we've been working on that's uh, sort of relevant to this discussion we've been having, a podcast that addresses issues of inequality through the lens of history. Stay with us on Detroit Today.